Welcome to Leading from Alignment, a weekly podcast from Converge Coaching, where our passion is to help you lead better, lead longer, and enjoy it more. Hey, everybody. Welcome again to another episode of Leading from Alignment with our good friend, John Obaluski. How are you today, John? Jim, I'm well. Good to be with you today. Right on. I I am excited about our topic today, and I'm going to turn it over to you. Okay. So our topic is uh, rebuilding your volunteer teams. Yeah. I I know for a fact that most churches, uh, this has been a huge struggle for them uh, with the, all of the goings on in the last 14 months. It's all, you know, Jim, it's always been problematic, but the last 14 months have taken that and made it exponentially more difficult. So in today's pod, we're going to turn the mic around and I'm going to interview you um, (laughs) because you know what? I don't know anybody who's better at speaking to this, uh, this particular topic, this issue, this challenge than you. I think this is your life message. I think it just comes out of you. And so today, um, this podcast can be loaded with practical, easy to follow tips that will help you as a leader, uh, build your teams again. So Jim, why don't you kind of take it away? And, and then I'll, uh, as you talk, I'll ask some questions of you. Uh, yeah. You know, it's funny. You say your, your life's message. I feel sometimes like David delivering food or Moses out watching sheep. And all of a sudden you have this moment that changes all your other moments. It becomes a cornerstone of, of destiny. And my moment started 30 ish years ago on the Apache white mountains on a ski retreat with 15 year olds. And I had 30 kids we went and spent the night at a friend's mission there. And uh, we go skiing for three days and sleep two nights. And it was a retreat we did every year. And there was one ski lift that went from the bottom of the mountain all the way to the top of the mountain. It was old. It only had two places. Hmm. And it took 20 minutes, 20 freezing wow. cold, zero degree, you know, high altitudes. I mean, it's, it's cold, cold. It's not just it's Michigan cold. It's a mile high, mile and a half high Apache White Mountain cold. So you had to do something besides think about how painful it was to sit on that metal chair uh, and hold on to your ski pole. So I, for some reason, I, I got in my heart that I would talk to every student on the way up, that I'd make a goal to meet with every single one of them and ask them this question. And it was, if I ran into you in public somewhere 10 years from now, and I asked you how your life was going, and you said, Jim, I am, I am loving it. I'm living the life of my dreams. I'm, I feel fulfilled. I know I'm right where I'm supposed to be. Uh, all the gears are clicking, all the dots have connected for me. What, where would that be? Like, do you know where that is? Can you help me understand who God made you to be? And what I learned was about 20% of the, the kids would say, this is my answer. I'm training for this. I my grades in you know, military and medical school, missionary, doctor, housewife, mother, uh, foster care. I mean, the 20% knew the answer to that question. And so my job then as a youth pastor was to walk with them through the, the rest of the tenure in youth ministry until they graduated, and then to be their friend after that and to help them head in that direction. But about 80%, it's a huge question. When you're 15 years old, you remember 10 years ago, you had to raise your hand to go to the bathroom. Right. 10 years ago, you were learning the alphabet, you know, and 10 years from now, seems like uh, an impossible amount of time. Now, at our age, 10 years is, is right. that, you know, how long a dog lives. But, but in, in their world, it was their entire conscious life. So 80% didn't know. So we started asking questions. And those questions went on for days sometimes, a long conversation, long walks. And through those long conversations and walks through the years, they have taught me uh, how to make it three very simple questions. And 
we, we call it, uh, you know, your why is greater than your what. I wrote a book about that a few years ago. I just recently published an ebook called From Recruiting to Releasing. And yeah. that's available uh, free of cost. Anybody that would want that, we just send it out to you. Um, but we are, I, it really comes down to three things. Number, can I go number one? Yeah, let's go, Jim. Number one is this. This, this is a triangle. For those of you that are, that are listening, this is not a triangle. It's just my voice. But think of a pyramid. Um, what predetermines the stable height of a pyramid is its base. Yeah. And yet, in, in modern day church settings, what we value sometimes more than anything else is not the base, but the height. Yeah. Well, the, the difference between the, the, the Egyptian pyramids in Gaza that have had zero maintenance for 3,000 years and the Washington Monument that I've rarely seen without scaffolding around it is the size of its base. And yeah. so if you value as, as the greatest indicator of success before God is that the height, the attendance, uh, yeah. the finances, the programs, the square feet, the number of- Or the homes. buildings, right? Yeah. You know. Yeah. Yeah, the buildings, anything other than that base, then, then you're, you're probably falling for what, what can be many times a trap. We're burning yeah. people out because we're, we need more people to keep that height going. We need more programs. We need more money. We need more and more and more because that is the indicator of our success or our failure. Whereas if you build the base, think of the base as the, the ministry that you have within your church or the potential you have within your organization. Okay. So if we have ministry, if the people here that are, that are ready to give away, ready to serve, ready to love, ready to teach, whatever it is their ministry is, and we have ministry for 100 people, it will be very soon that you will have 100 people. Now, some begin that journey at 50, and they grow to the size of, of the base to 100, or some people have 300, and they shrink to the size of their base. And yeah. I think that's what we've seen a lot of yeah. during this season, because a lot of our best people... Uh, did what, what they believed was, was best for them, and they stayed away. They haven't volunteered. They haven't sang. They haven't worked with children. That's, that's all understandable. But notice that when the base of our pyramid shrunk, the stable height of our pyramid shrunk proportionally. Yeah, that, Jim, that's such a great insight. You know, I don't, I don't think we think about that much, you know, uh, yeah. the base. And, um, and, and so that's a powerful analogy. I think uh, the pyramids versus the Washington Monument, that's, that's so yeah. simple to get my mind around. And it makes a hundred percent sense it does yeah, yeah. so what's next uh, so that's the well, first piece so, of this puzzle right yeah we, we, we say it's as easy as one two three one pyramid two questions and three circles the two oh. questions the, so if you're wanting to build that base and you want to build it not with volunteers that you're recruiting but with called people that you're releasing there's a huge difference between how you initiate that conversation one is to put an ad in the bulletin that announced it uh with with uh, you know, tears in your eyes, maybe, maybe in the arms of the angels playing softly in the background, you know, subconsciously. So they, for only $20 a month, you can work in the nursery of our church, right? Or that's, that's the, how you recruit. But if you recruit them, you kind of owe them a favor versus mm -hmm. if you get to know them and you release them, you will be one of the people they refer to. And they say, there's five people that changed my life. You know, yeah. Pastor Bob, Pastor Phil, Pastor John, Pastor Jim, they gave me my first chance to be me. They saw something in me, right? So, so the questions we ask, two questions, what did God save you from? And people love to talk about that because they are the only expert in the universe other than God that knows the answer to that question. What God saved you from? What's your, what's your past? What, you know, what, what have you been through? What did God save you from? But they say nothing, then you lead into Jesus. If they say, well, he saved me from all these things, then there's a second question. This question is often missing because, again, we're, we're more concerned about the height than the base. Yeah. The other question is, have you been to class? Have you joined a group? Have you, because those numbers matter. And those are, those are all great things. 
But but I think a better question is not just what God saved you from and plug them into the process of becoming a, a worker. Yeah. But what do you think God saved you for? Because not I, education is important. Um, indoctrination in a good way is important. But but identification. Who are you? What did God make you to be? The Ephesians two ten. You know, we're God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. So yeah, God didn't make I a bunch that. of people. I yeah. love that passage of scripture. It's one of my favorites. Mind you, well, and, and if you, you match it with Ephesians 4, you know, 11 and 12, that he gave us apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Why? For the purpose of preparing God's people for, there's that phrase again, good works, works yeah. of service. So yeah. we're, we're created for something, and there's gifts in the church called pastors and so forth that help you become that. So one of our key roles as leadership is to ask that question. What do you think God saved you for? And sometimes what's next is indoctrination. What's next is education. What's next is counseling. But but there will be a growing dissatisfaction. And mark my words, even more so in the future, there'll be a growing dissatisfaction with a Christianity that tells me what to do, what not to do, what to believe, what not to believe, but never tells me who I am. And then gives me an opportunity to be what God created me to be. So powerful. Jim, you know, sometimes I think, I, I think this is true that part of my job as a leader, a big part of my job is to see the God given greatness in people Yeah. and call that out of them. Would yeah. that be a similar thought to what you're saying here is that totally. we helped him to identify the greatness. And I've been a recipient of that, Jim. I, when I, yeah. I came out to Jesus when I was 16, and, yeah. and it was probably like, I don't know, two months later, uh, a, an older brother in the Lord said, you're, teach, you're going to teach a Bible study. Yeah. I had no <laughs> idea I had a teaching gift, yeah. but he was able to identify that in me, and he, he called it out of me. Um, and so I think, I think that is another way of saying what you're saying, which uh, yeah. is so awesome. <laughs> A sermon would be what a 30 minute, 45 minute interaction of, of thousands of words. Yeah. Uh, a book would be a, a one to five hour journey, tens of thousands of words, right? Yeah. But but can you name five sermons that have changed your life? Can you can you name five books that literally they changed your life? And it, when I ask people that, they you know they take several minutes and they usually give up because they're embarrassed. So they but but I say now name five people that have changed your life, and yeah. everybody knows that. So what do what those five people have in common? They they saw something in us. They listened to us. They saw yeah. something in us. They held us accountable, which is not, did you smoke today, drink today, chew today, or run with girls that do today? But but to account for our ability, I, I'm gonna, I don't know how to teach. That's okay. You're going to learn to teach by teaching badly. But I'm going to hold you to account for the ability that God gave you because I see you. I know who you are. And the, the prophetic truth of someone's identity being revealed to a father, a mother, a brother, a sister, where they call that out of them. I hold you to account for your abilities. You will not become a drone that responds to every bulletin announcement because you love God and you want to serve in his church somewhere. I need to help you find you. You know, evangelism is when we lead somebody to Jesus. Discipleship is when we lead someone to the person Jesus created them to be. Yeah, that's so good. So it's not, it's not the same course for everybody, right? It has to be individual because right. we have giftings. Yeah. So Jim, so Jim, this process is so simple. Yeah. One, one triangle, right? We're yeah. talking about yeah. the base. Yeah. Two questions. What did yeah. God save you from? What did God save you for? Yeah. Talk a little bit about the three circles. Yeah, the three circles, if you think of an Olympic flag, where there's three overlapping circles, two on top, one on the bottom, you'll 
see that where those overlap, there's a spot where all the circles touch each other. We call that the sweet spot yeah. and helping people, you know, discover who God created them to be again, Ephesians 2.10, Jeremiah, you know, one nine, uh, you know, from, from your mother's womb. And we, we know that we have a purpose, right? Everybody does universally. We know that. Um, so how do we, what are the clues and where can we find those clues? The clues are inside of us because yeah. that's where God made us. We were born with natural giftings, natural tendencies, preferences, gifts, abilities. So there's three questions that really bring those quickly. So it's not 20 weeks of conversations, it's 20 minutes of conversation to really form a trajectory for someone to realize and begin to move towards. And that those questions, very, I'll just tell them all, we'll come back over each one individually. What's your passion? What's your pain? And what's your proficiency? What, what thrills you? What kills you? And with what has God filled you? to live this purpose, to give you a broken heart for something and not give you some ability to, to relieve that pain, to give yeah. you a passion for something and give you no, no place to express it, to give you great abilities, but never create the dynamic where you, you become the answer to somebody else's prayer would be cruel. It'd be like creating an appetite Agreed. and not creating a cheeseburger. It'd be like creating loneliness and not creating our wives. Right. Yeah. It, it would be cruel of God to give us these things. So these things are inside of us and they point to a part of our destiny. So what's your passion? What is it that thrills you? What is it that you do when you're done doing what you have to do? What's the stuff you want to do? Yeah. And I'm shocked by people's answers, John, because some people I just talked to a young lady the other day about this. And she said, I want to have a mobile grooming service where I customize a van. And I can go to people's homes and get their, their pets out. I want to serve them. I want to pray for them. I want to bless them. And all I could think of was the smell of the inside of a van with a wet dog. And this was her, <laughs> and somebody say, I want to stay in school the rest of my life. I want to be a professor. I thought, you know how hard I work to get away from school and never want to go back again. Um, some people say, I want to be a public speaker. And, and it, it's funny because the number one fear of Americans today is, is public speaking, even greater than death, yeah. which means people would rather be the subject of the funeral than the person speaking at the funeral. Yeah. But people just, they just begin to say what their, their passion has a, has a lot to do with what God created them to do. Okay. The second one is, go ahead. Anything else? No, I yeah. was just going to say, bring the next one to us. Yeah. So the second one is pain. And I, I don't, I think we don't like to talk a lot about pain, but if there's anything that unlocks what is superhuman that God has put inside of us, it is pain. Jesus looked at a dying world, sheep without shepherds, harassed and helpless. Uh, you think about what made the good Samaritan good. It wasn't his pedigree, right? He wasn't a Levite. It wasn't his education. He wasn't a priest. He, yeah. was, a, he was a Samaritan. What made him good was when he saw him, he was filled with compassion. That pain, he was immersed in. It was his pain. Uh, yeah. And he, he did something about it because pain, pain doesn't give you options, right? If we, mm -hmm. we love everybody we know, but our grandkids are special. Yes, you and I would agree with that. Uh, a stranger is in a burning building. I have, I have a, a certain degree of compassion to get inside that building and rescue that person. My grandkids are inside that building. Yeah. I'll, I'll destroy every fireman that says stop. I'll go through every obstacle between me and that grandchild. And, and in the end, it won't even matter if I save them. I'm just not going to let them die alone. That that's what pain will do. Passion yeah. will make you want to be a fireman. Pain will cause you to rush into a burning building. That's the difference. You know, Jim, I heard you say one time that pain, uh, uh, pain is what keeps you moving forward in, in the intersection of these three circles. When your passion is waning yeah. or you feel like maybe I don't have what it takes. Pain will keep, get you out of bed in the morning. I never heard you say this. 
and keep you moving forward. And I think I, I think nobody talks about this piece of the puzzle, and it's so, so important. What's but, the third? Again, well, what made Nehemiah great? Right? He, he hears about the condition of Jerusalem. He weeps. He mourns. He fasts. You know what, what makes Jesus face that cross? I, you know what I mean? It's it's the pain of an eternity without mankind being there with him. Pain. Yep. I don't mean to oversell it, but if, if we are trying to relieve all pain, some pain is good pain and some pain is God pain. And one of the greatest clues to your identity is what kills you? What, yep. what is it that absolutely destroys you? What's your pain? And the third one is your proficiency. And this one's pretty simple because it stands out. It's, you know, I'm, I'm good at uh, tennis. I'm, I'm, I love being outdoors. I love missions trips. I can speak seven languages and I do it for fun. I can cook tortillas and they're better than the store-bought ones, whatever it is. But there's a certain amount of giftedness that God has to give people to accomplish yes. passion and pain. So if you have this heart for the lost, but you can't speak, I, I you know, maybe, maybe you're a writer, maybe you're an intercessor, maybe you're a, but I, I would say if, you know, like our, our three circles, I think would be similar. I have a passion for the church. I have a passion for leaders. I have a passion for helping people find their destiny. I have a pain. So many people go to church, but they really aren't the church. They, they, they feel used by the church after they've left their fourth one for the same reason. They're not, they're, they're not, they say we're not being fed. It's not that you're not being fed. You're probably not being exercised. The greater reason so good. I, yeah. I'm disconnected from the vision because I have no role in it, except for to answer the Bolton ad and volunteer 90 minutes a week, twice a month. And that, that is not what God created me to do and feel fulfilled by. Right. So you, you get back to the, the basics of this, you know, what's your passion, your pain, your proficiency, and you'll see where those circles overlap. And now you can say, so you're not supposed to be in medical school. You're supposed to be in ministry. You know, yep. You're not supposed to be in ministry, which happens more often than you might think. Right. You're supposed to be in counseling. You're supposed to be in foster care. You're supposed. When I was a police officer, I became a police officer because I wanted to help people. My first arrest beat me and six other people up because he was high on PCP. We're just trying to keep him from jumping out a window. They had to call right. it a canine unit. We beat that man bloody, and and it was just a tragedy. I, I remember thinking that night, I don't want to be a police officer. I, I don't. I I thought I was going to help people. As it turns out. Criminals don't actually like police officers. Who knew? Who could have possibly seen that coming, right? So passion, pain, proficiency. And when you find that sweet spot, boy, you can, you know, again, that five sermons that have changed our life is pretty tough. But the yeah. five people that change their life is pretty easy. So when, once they say that to you, if they say that to you, one of the greatest responsibilities we have as giftings in the body of Christ, we've yeah. apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, is to prepare now God's people for those works. So we, we, we yep. see it, it's revealed, we, we refine it because we love them, we help them through the process, and then we release it. And you do not have to teach on prayer to a released person because they're already praying. You don't have yeah. to tell them to give. You don't have to tell them to serve. You don't have to tell them to show up on time. You don't have to tell them to brush your teeth. People that are, when you wake up in the morning doing what you're passionate about, relieving the pain that is your pain, and you're good at it, you wake up differently than the guy that just goes to a J-O-B. That's right. And, and Jim, if I could just say this, this is not, uh, we're not talking about Shangri-La here, you know, about no. something that is not reachable. The yeah. thing I love about this the most is this is such a relational way to rebuild your volunteer teams. It happens over a cup of coffee. It happens over breakfast. It happens on a ski lift. Yeah. And and it's, it's relational. I love it so much. You know, you said something a while back that really, uh, and we got to wrap up because we're a little, we're a little past time. Uh, okay. today. 
you said something a couple of weeks ago that I just was so impactful to me. You said your congregation is a treasure hunt waiting for you to grab a shovel and help them uncover their purpose. So listen, if you're, if you're listening today, um, look, I believe what Jim has put together will be exceedingly helpful to you. And, and, you know, Jim, we are adding this to our, to our playbook, right? To our, yeah. Our, so excited about it. I, I am so excited about it. Can you give yeah. us like a minute or so, 90 seconds, just tell yeah. us about what we're uh, starting yeah. to offer uh, to pastors and churches. Yeah. Because we've been living this now at Freedom Center and in Fenton for 26 years, and we've, we've seen it through the process. It's not 15 year olds on ski lifts anymore. We have as many volunteers in any given service as we do people attending. If there's 200 people that show up, there's 200 volunteers. There's 500 people that show up, there's 500 volunteers. The base of, of the ministry is growing. So this, these aren't, these aren't, this isn't theoriology. This is actually, you know, proven over decades and, and growth and so forth. So we are, we are branching out now to come to your leadership team or even to your congregation to share these ideas, to train half a day and to get this language into your culture. Because if you do it and you do it with three people, the change has begun. But if the four of you now do it with three people, the change is progressing dramatically. If those four, if this becomes the culture of your church, there's no more begging and bulletin announcements for for just a mammal. We need a mammal. We need a mammal to show up at that fifth grade boys class, right? So, and it's not it's not just to to build the church. It's to build the church. It's to build that base. And Jesus said, I'll make you disciples. I'll make you fishers. I'll make you whatever I made you to be. I'll help you find that. And so we, we're excited to release this service yeah. to people because we're, we're passionate about it. It kills us. It yeah. thrills us and it fills us. And, and so, Jim, uh, this, this, this half-day uh, training yeah. was, is followed up with three months of coaching, yeah. coaching yeah. your staff, coaching your team, helping them to set goals, overcome obstacles, um, and get you moving in a healthy direction to help reinvigorate, to help rebuild, and to do it right. Um, and and so you know, if uh, people are interested, if pastors are interested, leaders are interested in talking to us, dialoguing uh, with us about this, they can reach out to us at our website, convergecoach.com. Just click contact us, and we'll chat. We'll wrap for a few minutes and see if. What we are uh, putting together, we're so excited about this yeah. because we think this is one of the most challenging things leaders are dealing with. Um, we'd be happy to just kind of lay out what it looks like for you in terms of the details. So, Jim, I want to thank you for uh, taking you know my spot. Usually, I'm doing a little more talking yeah. <laughs> but today. This is your baby. This is your your area of expertise. And thank you for encouraging us, giving us a pathway to um, really and truly expand our base so that we can reach our full potential uh, as a church. So Jim, thanks. And those of you listening, thank you so much for uh, being a part of what we're doing here. We love you. We are praying for you. And uh, we hope that uh, you will always continue to lead from alignment.